The following has been a presentation of Amarillo Fellowship, a community dedicated to spreading the love and hope of Jesus Christ. For more information and other podcasts, visit amarillofellowship.com. Amen. You may be seated today. Um, I, I know most of you know this, but this is kind of a special Sunday that we're having today. It's a celebration Sunday, and we wanted just to take a moment to, to thank you, first of all, for being here, but also to look back at the way that God has blessed our church over the last year. It's been an incredible couple of years, honestly, but over the last year, it's really been amazing. Some of you may not know how we actually ended up in this building. You heard Ed talking about our place on Western, and so I, I wanted to real quickly share the story with you this morning. First of all, we were kind of outgrowing our facilities on Western. It was, it was, a, it was a God-given thing for us. We, we enjoyed it, but we were only leasing there, but we kind of began to outgrow it. And then all of a sudden, through just kind of a divine connection, we began to find out about this building. We actually found out about this building being for sale before it was actually for sale. And it really was incredible. And so we came over one uh, day and we kind of toured the facilities and we walked around. And if you were in the old building and you remember this building, we kind of walked in and went, wow. (laughs) Honestly, we had grass now, right? There There were some that, man, they were so excited about having a new building and having grass. But it was a big step. Because we had been leasing a building, and we were on a month-to-month lease at that point. And so, you know, if things had gone south in a hurry, we could have walked away and go, okay, no big deal. So it was a step of faith, and I knew it was a step of faith. And so me, as a great and mighty man of faith, was a little fearful. (laughs) I was a little anxious about making this step and this commitment. So I began praying and saying, God, tell us what it is you want us to do. Well, in, in December of 2012... We were doing our Christmas production, and that morning, I was sitting in my office at the house, and I was praying, saying, God, look, if you want us to do this, I need a supernatural or an extraordinary sign from you that you're saying, this is what we're to do. I, I said, God, I, I'm, I'm nervous about it. I felt a little bit like Gideon. You ever feel like Gideon? And, and I, I just said, God, I need something supernatural from you. That morning, went to church. The first service, it was packed. We're doing our Christmas production we transitioned into the second service, and a, and, a, and a gentleman that was sitting towards the back at the beginning of the second service called me over and said, man, look at all these people. Man, we're growing so much. What are our plans kind of going forward? And I said, well, well we, we've been actually looking at another building and kind of praying about what God would have us do. We've got $80,000 in the bank. I believe that if we can start off with about 200000 then that'll be a good launching place. So, you know, about $120,000 more, and we're going to kind of be there. So, you know, we're just praying about it. And he said, oh, okay. At the end of the production, my wife and I were standing up front, kind of meeting and some people that had come and guests, and, and as we were standing there, this gentleman and his wife walked up and they handed us a check to the church for $120,000. Now, I don't know if you get $120,000 checks every day, but I don't, and I knew at that moment that God was saying, this is the place for you guys. This is where I'm leading you. This is where I'm taking you. Now, what I'm looking forward to is to learn even to walk more by faith to understand that as I'm going, God is going to be leading and directing me. I don't always have to have a supernatural sign, but supernatural signs are really wonderful. We began to share the vision with the people of the church and kind of tell them about what was going on. And so we began a capital campaign um, in March of, of that year to work towards getting a down payment for our building. Now, by June, we had raised nearly $400,000. This was in a, just a, a few-month period of time. Now, as I said, that I lacked a little bit of faith, but once I knew that God was speaking, 
I began to just stand upon his word and proclaim God's word. I had pastor friends of mine, great men of faith, and I do mean that, who were saying to me all the time, man, aren't you freaked out about having to try to raise that much money in that quick amount of time? And I would say no. And, and I wasn't, for the most, most of the time, freaked out. But there were some times in the middle of the night where it felt like an elephant sitting on my chest because I was a little worried and anxious. Moms and dads, you ever been that way with your kids? You ever been that way, businessmen, with your business or with your job and with your career? And, and I just knew that this is what God was leading us to. So we were able to come up with another four, um, nearly $400,000 for our down payment. And everyone gave, strong, gave because they felt strongly about the commitment of what Amarillo Fellowship could do. That we are a community dedicated to spreading the love and hope of Jesus Christ. In, in fact, there was a couple that gave, uh, Rob and Melissa Martin, and uh, they know that we're going to share this. So if you ever share a testimony and don't want us to share, that's okay. But they, they, this was their testimony from that first period when we got into the building. It said, we knew we wanted to give all that we could to the campaign. We prayed for about three months prior to starting the campaign. As, and as an act of faith, I went ahead and wrote our check out and held on to it until the money came in for us to give it. Then my husband's overtime was cut off and we were getting behind on our bills and on our tithe. Isn't it just like the enemy to start attacking you when you step out in faith? When we made the decision to trust God completely and step out in faith and be obedient with our tithe, we immediately received the blessing. My husband's overtime started back up and we were able to save a little, sold a few items and used some savings and was finally able to give our money to the campaign. We were so excited to see God move like that. We will continue to give and hope that everyone will be inspired to do the same. It's amazing to see how far God stretches the 90% when we're faithful to give the 10%. It's talking about the tithe. You cannot outgive God. We have been at Amarillo Fellowship since 2008, and it has been a, such a blessing. Me and my husband's lives have changed so much. God has continually shown his grace and patience to us. I cannot wait to see the blessings that God has in store for Amarillo Fellowship. I can testify that we have one of the best churches around and can hardly wait to be in our new home where I know we will grow as a body of Christ and reach more people in the city to become fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. Isn't that awesome? So we moved into our new building in August of 2013. And this nice building that you're sitting in is because of the goodness of God and the generous spirit of people that were willing to sacrifice and to give. So we continued to grow, and as we continued to grow, we recognized we don't want to get behind the curve and wait until the need is so overwhelming that it begins to affect us reaching people for Christ. So we begin to plan for our next steps and try to figure out what is it, God, that you want us to do next. Well, in March of last year, we began a three-year capital campaign called Giving Hope in a Future to raise $750,000. Now, this capital campaign is based on a scripture in Jeremiah that says this, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give hope and a future. Now, if you just start looking at that verse, it's just packed with the goodness of God. That God knows the plans that he has for you. Do you realize that God designed you in a certain way, that you are unique, that God has designed you for a specific plan that he has for your life? And when you get in his plan, you get in the sweet spot of life, he goes on to say, the plans are to prosper you. The plans are to prosper you. 
Now that doesn't just mean money, though money's awesome, but these plans are to prosper you and not to harm you. So listen, when the accuser comes and he tells you, listen, these bad things are happening in your life because God's disappointed, that's not true. I said, that's not true. I said, that's not true. But we have to believe that. We have to recognize that God's plans for us are to prosper us and not to harm us. Plans to give you hope in a future. Now, we, we, we called this capital campaign Giving Hope in a Future because we felt there were three elements that were important. The first one is giving. We are most fulfilled in life when we're giving. We think it's receiving. We do. And that's why we're always you know, receive, receive, receive mode. But when we get in giving mode, there comes a contentment in our life. And we're giving hope. That's the first thing that we're giving. Again, our purpose statement as a church that we're a community dedicated to spreading the love and hope of Jesus Christ. That doesn't mean that we just do it here on Sunday mornings and then try to live contrary on, on the rest of the week, but we are constantly giving hope to people. We're giving, letting them see the love of Jesus Christ and then a future. The hope is for the future for leaders that are coming up behind us. People that are beginning to step into roles of leadership because there's going to come a day when the leaders that are in place now, there are going to be other leaders. And what we're praying is that they'll be able to stand on our shoulders. That we'll be able to create a foundation for them. So we recognized there was five things that we needed to do. The first thing is we needed more parking. For those of you that park in the grass every week, God bless you. But we need more parking. Second thing was we wanted to pay off a $35,000 construction loan because when we got into this building, this building was not designed for the way that we do worship. We also wanted to fix our roof. Years ago, this um, building received some hail damage, and we've had a, a wonderful company come in, and they've helped us through that. We want to we fix our roof. We want to break into the area of video. How many of you recognize we are becoming more and more a video-driven society? Wouldn't it be awesome if we could stream our services live so that when you're not feeling well or you're out of town, you could still participate in the service? And also to purchase land. We do not own this, this quarter, uh, two-acre section right here just on the northwest corner. We own all the rest. There's a little section right here all the way south. Am I pointing the right direction? Okay, great. I am a little directionally challenged for some reason when I get into this church. But... We, we want to purchase that. So, once again, families prayed about being a part, pledged to the Giving Hope in a Future campaign. And this year, over the past year so far, we have raised $719,000 in pledges. So far, that's where we're at. We're just a little bit short, but people are coming on board all the time, excited about what God's doing and becoming a part. We've also raised over, or over a, we have raised $166,000 already. We've got, a, we've got a company that's walking us through this, and they tell us that we're right on target. So first of all, I want to thank you, those of you that have given to the campaign. Thank you for praying about what it is God would have you to do. That's the thing we keep speaking. We're not asking everyone to do exactly the same thing. We're asking you to pray about what it is God would have you to do. And then those of you that have committed and followed through with your commitment, thank you. Thank you so much. See, you're planting seeds in future families that we're already seeing a harvest of. Every week we have people that are either giving their life to Christ or rededicating their life. We're already seeing those seeds. And because of their faithfulness, we were able to pay off our $35,000 loan. Just like that, right off the top. It's amazing. We began, we've already began purchasing a little bit of video and, and some media equipment. We've had a survey of our land done already. We had to get a, 
I can't remember, topographical, is that how you say it? Um, survey done so that the, the architects could come in and figure out what it is we need to do with our parking lot. So we've hired an architect to start a parking lot expansion project. In fact, if you guys would throw the, that up there, I wanted to show you guys the plan of what this is. This is obviously where our building is. This is all of our current parking. Here's where we're going to add some parking right here. Part of the future is that one day possibly having a building here, but what this is going to allow us is access to both entrances that we have into our church. So it's going to be awesome. Right now they're, they're um, taking it up with the city or, or presenting it to the city to get approval so that we can move forward. And we're looking forward to having more parking places. Amen. Even with us bumping our service back to 915, I know that sometimes there's a little test of our faith, a little test of our patience as we're trying to get out on a Sunday morning, so we're really working hard to take care of that. So again, I want to thank you for those of you that are carrying on the vision with your faithfulness and support of this campaign. And you may not see all of the blessings that are taking place. Sometimes when we're giving and you're not involved in the day-to-day aspects of the church, but I'm telling you, every week, lives are being changed. Sometimes the, the change is just a little by little, lives being changed. Sometimes it's extraordinary. In fact, I have another testimony, if you don't mind, I'd like to read. And this is from a lady named Missy Lemons, and she says this. Four years ago, my son started going to Wednesday night youth group with a friend at Amarillo Fellowship. We'd been looking for a home church for a while, but always found that it just didn't quite fit us. God started to move in a mighty way in my teenage son's life. He wanted to go to church on Sundays with his friends. Now, how many of you know that's a miracle when your son wants to go to church? So we decided that we would make Amarillo Fellowship our home church. It was nice to feel welcomed but not smothered. God knew what he was doing, and I love God's timing. Pastor Richie taught in such a loving and fun way. Every Sunday, I felt like he was speaking to me. I wanted to come back every Sunday to learn more. We found a connect group and started building relationships, real friendships, friends that you can share praises with, cry on their shoulders and get lifted in prayer. When hard times came, we had pastors to turn to for advice and prayers. In the middle of my divorce, I found such comfort in coming to Amarillo Fellowship. Instead of feeling like a failure, feeling left and abandoned, I felt love, strength, and wisdom for the next moves in my life. God has replaced my fears with peace. God has taken care of me, giving me everything that I need. Trust me, God's math pays my bills. Instead of talking about how big my problems are, I now talk about how big my God is. God reminds me every day that I am loved. I'm not abandoned, that I am a mighty child of God. My life could have become a mess after my divorce. But God reminds me that it is his message of love and grace and his light pouring out of me and my three wonderful children. I could have turned to the world, to the flesh, for comfort, but instead I crawled into my heavenly Father's lap for peace. Thank you, Amarillo Fellowship, for feeding me weekly of God's love and God's grace. Wow. That's why we do what we do. God is good, and we want to share his goodness with our entire community. So here's what I want to ask you to do today. First of all, I want to thank again those of you that have already been giving. Thank you. I want to just encourage you to keep giving. If you've already completed your pledge, pray and see if if God may want you to do something else. 
Sometimes it's a process in giving that sometimes we, we have enough faith for what we can actually figure out. My wife and I, we decided to step out on something that we realize is going to take us the whole two, three years for us to accomplish. And I'm going to encourage you, if you've already completed your process, to maybe go ahead and take a bold step of faith and pledge again. If you've not had a chance to pledge, I'm going to give you that chance. On your seat this morning, there is a pledge card. Then I want to encourage you to pray about this and pray and ask God, say, God, what is it that you would have me to do? If everyone does their part, I'm telling you, it's going to make a difference. Listen, don't, don't um, take those cards and just throw them away or fill it out haphazardly. If God lays something on your heart specific to do, you may hear of God doing something greater and think, I want to do that. Do what it is that God's telling you to do. You may hear of something smaller and think the thing that God lays on your heart to do might intimidate you, but do again what it is God tells you to do. Your new pledge cards can be placed in our offering containers that are all over the sanctuary. You can drop it in the offering buckets each, each um, Sunday that we take up our offering. Listen, I, I want to tell you that we are growing and averaging about 100 more each Sunday than we were last year. It's pretty exciting. But it's not about numbers. It's about the story behind the numbers. Here's how we say it. Every number has a name. Every name has a story. And every story matters to God. Numbers matter because people matter. And God counts them all. That's why we celebrate. And I'm encouraging you at the end of every service when people give their lives to Christ, not to just take that for granted. And not just act like, well, okay, that's supposed to happen. Listen, lives are literally being changed. And we want to celebrate not only with God, but we want to rejoice with the angels that there are new people being born into the family of God. And when we give and when we serve, we are a part of what God is doing. We are God's hands. We are God's feet. So I want to encourage you on that. Now, I want to begin my, my message part this morning by, by asking you something or a- answering a question that I believe some of you may be asking, and it's this. Pastor Richie, do, do we really have to expand and build? I mean, is it really important for us to do that? I'll tell you the criteria for us all the time. If there is anything that is impeding us from reaching more people for Christ, that's the thing we're focused on fixing. That's the thing we're going after. So, so, you, so you may be wondering, is it really important that we expand and build? I mean, people used to come and listen to God's word even in tents. Y'all remember your grandparents talking about that? They would show up in tents. Well, it, there used to be a time when that was the cultural norm was to go to church. In fact, if you didn't go to church, it was almost like society looked at you a little funny. That's not the cultural norm anymore. In fact, the cultural norm now is if you go to church... The world looks at you kind of funny. And even though society was, has been changing, the church at, at, at times has struggled to change with it. They didn't adapt to reach society where society was at. And unfortunately, they became irrelevant. They, they fought so hard to predict the method of doing church, not realizing it was the message that was sacred, not the method. But today, how we do church is changing. It's evolving. We're, we're recognizing that we're focusing on being culturally relevant to reach people right where they're at. Because forever the church barked at society and said, if you'll come up to this standard, then we can love on you. Then you can be a follower of Christ. But we're reaching people right where they're at. We don't move away from the message, but adapt and change the method so the message is relevant to situations that are people are facing today. People are facing today things that they never faced 30, 40, or 50 years ago. 
See, that's why when you compare the church how it used to be and how it is today, it is uniquely the same. Now, I know you're thinking, Pastor Richie, that sounds a little bit like an oxymoron because unique means to be one of a kind and the same means just like all the rest. But, but I think that's how you'd compare the church from the past and the church from the present. They are uniquely the same. Same message, just different method. See, but it's not just the church throughout history that is uniquely the same. Individual Christians, you and I, we are uniquely the same. And so I want to look at this passage in Joshua with this as a drop, drop back of understand a backdrop, excuse me, drop back, backdrop of us recognizing that each and every one of us are unique in what God's called us to, but every one of us are the same. That we are uniquely the same. And, and the reason is, is I think this will help us understand, first of all, our destiny as an individual, but also our destiny collectively together as the body of Jesus Christ. So in Joshua 1, God is speaking to Joshua, who is a protege or someone who is mentored by Moses. And God is talking to Joshua about all the promises that he has for Joshua and also for the children of Israel. He's, he's given them geographic boundaries. He's talking to them already about the land that he has for them. He's telling them that every place you set your feet, I have already given you. Amen. Not, not if, if you'll do well enough, then you're going to uh, uh, occupy this land. He's saying, I've already given it to you. He, he's, he tells them that no one's going to be able to stand up against you all the days of their lives. And then for Joshua especially, God says something really amazing in the middle of this. In Joshua chapter 1, verse 5. If you have your Bibles, you might want to flip there. If not, it's going to be up on the screen. God's talking to Joshua and he says this. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. Now, if you're Joshua, that's some stuff to get pretty excited about right there. Because God did some pretty amazing things through Moses. God did some supernatural, extraordinary things through Moses. It would have been pretty awesome to be Moses, right? I mean, at least when you got to the Red Sea. Come on now. Y'all seen Ten Commandments, Charlton Heston, right? It would have been awesome. I mean, you throw out your staff in front of the people of the church, and everyone is looking at you to see what God is going to do through you. And the wind is blowing, and your hair is blowing in the wind kind of like a supermodel. Can you all picture it with the limited amount of hair I've got, right? And all of a sudden, as the wind's blowing, the Red Sea parts. It's one of the videos that I want to rent when I get to heaven to check out the Red Sea parting. That's pretty awesome. So the Red Sea parts, and you're standing there with your staff raised out in the air. So God does this very public, very extraordinary, incredible event of parting the Red Sea so that they can escape they're enemies. And it's especially incredible when you recognize that Moses' congregation, the children of Israel, were pretty mad at him right then. They were, they were pretty upset with him because Moses was bringing them out of the familiar into the unfamiliar. And, and whenever you challenge people to come from the familiar, what I'm comfortable with, this is the way we've always done it, this is the way I've always acted, into the unfamiliar, they're not always happy with you. In fact, they cannot be a little bit, they can be a little unkind sometimes. And they'll say things like, now why did you bring us out here? 
Did you bring us out in the wilderness to die? But Moses just lifts his staff. The wind blows and the Red Sea parts. Awesome. Really is incredible. Moses also had the opportunity to meet with the present Pharaoh of Egypt and display the power of God. He goes into the courtroom and he throws his staff down and it turns into a snake. Now when the magicians tried it and threw down their staff and it turned into a snake, Moses' snake ate their snakes. Awesome. It's incredible. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. Are you beginning to see how excited Joshua's getting about hearing this promise? Now, if you're a newly appointed leader of Israel, that's some good news. And yet, Joshua never smote one rock and brought water forth from it. In fact, when Joshua came down to the river of Jordan with his rod, he came down to approach it, and the river Jordan said, Say what? Nothing happened. He had to actually get the priests to actually go down into the water before anything began to change. Moses never got his feet wet. But when Joshua got ready to fulfill his destiny with this call of God on his life, what worked for Moses didn't work for Joshua. Joshua had to get the priest to go into the water before change happened. Can you imagine the murmurings and mutterings that began to take place in the camp? That's not how we did it when Moses was alive. Right? Moses just lifted his rod and the, and the water parted. What's up with you, Joshua? Hey, boy, come here. Let me tell you how Moses did it. I'll fix you up here in just a second. Or one of the priest's wives. I can't believe he is making my husband go down into that muddy Jordan River with his sandals on. I hope he wore his old pair today and not his new pair. <laughs> or even for Joshua. As he began to get a little nervous because things are not going exactly like they went for Moses. And he's having to tell everyone, okay, everyone, just relax. God's with me too. I'm leading. God's called me. It's going to be okay. It's going to take place in just a minute. Wait for it. Wait for it. Come on. It's going to take place. I'm telling you, no, yeah, they're going to have to go into the water, but just wait for it. Trust me, I've got this. See, it's why we have to remind ourselves about God's promises by speaking God's promises when we're stepping out in a promise from God by faith. It's okay. We're going to get out of debt. It's okay. God does desire to bless us financially. He has promised to take care of us. It's okay. We are going to be healed because here's what his word says. By his stripes we're healed. It's going to be okay. I am going to overcome this thing that I'm going through that I felt like I've been going through it for so long. I'm going to overcome. I'm going to be okay because I'm highly favored. I'm greatly blessed and I'm deeply loved. I know that God is for me. And if he's for me, who can be against me? We got to declare the promises. So by faith, Joshua told the, the priest to enter into the Jordan River. And even though that's not how it had been done before, all of a sudden there came a rumble and the Jordan River began to back up. And once again, the children of Israel were able to see parting of waters and able to walk through on dry land. It was uniquely the same. So again, God tells Joshua, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will be with you the same way I was with Moses, but you are not Moses. You are not who inspired you today. You are not 
the person that mentored you or trained you. God is going to be with you just as he was with Moses, but you are not Moses. So you have to discover your own uniqueness. You have to discover that you are a one of a kind. God did not make another you. You have to discover your own uniqueness in order to accomplish your own unique purpose and destiny. If you don't, you'll raise your staff to part the waters and nothing will happen and you'll begin to say, well, I guess it just didn't work for me. Or you'll raise your staff to part the waters and you'll say, well, I guess God's promises really aren't true. Or you'll raise your staff to part the waters and you'll say, I guess I'm really not qualified to do supernatural things. See, and God is still with you just like he was with Moses. You still have the DNA of your heavenly father just like Moses. You see, God's call and destiny on your life is unique to you just like God's call on Moses' life was unique to him. And it's the same thing with the church. So you and I have to be willing and at the same time recognize as a local church and as children of God that we are all uniquely the same. All different and yet all the same. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. But I will not do with you what I did with Moses. See, can you recognize today that God being with you to the same degree as he was with Moses and yet creating a unique experience? Something that has never happened before, something that's different than the way we were raised or or the way that we were brought up? See, you and I were not created on an assembly line. I'm glad I don't want a bunch of little Richies walking around out here. I don't want a bunch of people walking like me. I tell my wife all the time, man, I would hate to be married to me. I'm glad that we're all unique. I'm glad that that God has created us different because, see, everything that God does is a designer's original. So while we can be mentored by people, while we should allow people to speak into our lives, especially people that have walked through something that we've walked through before, or especially when people are gifted with something and have an ability and talent in something, we should allow people to speak into our lives, but you don't want to try to be them. Because God says, I will be with you like I was with them, but you have to be who I designed and created you to be. Because see, if God had wanted Moses, God could have kept Moses. We are a new generation and a new expression of an old idea. If God had wanted the old idea, he could have kept the old idea. So he wants us to hit the refresh button. He wants us to hit the refresh button and refresh the method, but keep the message. Because God has been there and he's done that. And he's through with doing that. So the question comes for us is, what do we keep and what do we let go of? We keep the promise of his presence. See, God has promised you and I, every one of us, that he would never leave us nor forsake us. I know sometimes you may not feel him. I know sometimes when you're going through the storm, you're just like the disciples. You're up in the boat crying out to God, God, do you not care that we perish? But you've got to remember that he has never going to leave you, never going to forsake you. 
So we keep the promise of his presence, but we have to be willing to let go of what has happened before or what it is that we had in mind. Because see, God has not promised to do a thing the way that it happened before or how you perceived it in your mind that it was going to happen. In fact, that's why God tells us in his word in Isaiah 43, he says this in verse 19, Behold, I will do a new thing. God is into doing new things. He is such a creative God that there are so many new things he wants to be doing all the time. Now he says this right after he says in verse 18, Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. He's saying those things have passed away. In fact, if you go back to Joshua 1 and you look at when God began this dialogue with Joshua, here's what he said, Moses, my servant, is dead. God is telling us the former things that I did with Moses, those things are dead. When I made Moses, I made Moses. When I called Moses, I called Moses. When I used Moses, I used Moses. But stop trying to be Moses. Be who you were created to be. In fact, turn to your neighbor and say, be who God created you to be. See, it's a matter of being, not doing. Say that again. Because we've thought if in church it's all about the doing, 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 doing. Do this, do this, do this, do this, do this. But it's not a matter of doing, it's a matter of being. Because when you understand who you be, sorry English teachers, doing right things will spring out of who you be. That's why I don't preach a lot of messages of like five steps to being an overcomer. I try to give you some tools, but what I recognize is there are times when, first of all, some of you are not walking through that and don't need that step. Sometimes when you get the five steps, you get in the situation and only one of them works because it's a unique issue. It's a unique, unique problem. See, if I, but if I teach you to stay focused on Christ... And you learn to develop a relationship with a loving God. You see, if you don't think he's a loving God, you don't want to spend time with him. You don't, but when you begin to understand that he loves you, that he's for you, that he's got a great plan for you, you can't wait to get up in the morning to unpack the word of God, to get your emotions and your your feelings all lined back up to follow after God. When you begin to understand who God is and who you are in Christ, he'll begin to write his word upon your heart for your unique journey, for your unique destiny, so that when you're walking through something that no one else in the church is going through in that moment, God will download into your heart and life what it is that you need to do. See, now I'm no longer trying to feed you fish. I'm teaching you how to fish. Because when you know how to fish for yourself, you can feed yourself. You don't have to diet all week long to get to church on Sunday going, oh, I hope I get a little food today from Pastor Richie. See, and you begin to hear God through his word. You're all of a sudden, logos, reading the word of God daily. That logos, constantly reading the word of God, it means the written word. All of a sudden, it became, becomes a, a rhema word. It means that the word of God jumps out at you. And in that moment, you know God is speaking to you about something that it is that you're walking through. You begin to understand and learn how to hear his still, small voice. Then you're able to follow your path to your divine destiny. See, that's when when that starts happening. When When a congregation, when the body of Jesus Christ starts doing that, that's when God begins weaving all of our individual destinies and purposes together into the tapestry of a larger collective destiny called the church, called the body of Jesus Christ. None of us are as strong as all of us. 
none of us are as smart as all of us. Then we begin to understand how amazing we are. We are. You are. You are amazing. The reason why we know that is because here's what it says in Psalms 139. I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. It's talking about you. God has never made junk. There's some junk that gets attached to our lives sometimes because of the way the enemy comes into our life and we get deceived. But God never made junk. Now we're confident in who we are, that we are all uniquely the same. And now we realize that we all have a role to play in the body of Jesus Christ. And even though none of us are perfect, in fact, if you've come to this church today because, or became a member of this church because you're looking for a perfect church, sorry. Let me give you an out right now because we are not perfect. We are all learning through trial and error. But when we understand who we are, we get plugged in, we learn through trial and error, we each find our part and we all do our part. Because everybody has a part to play in serving and giving. And we don't allow the imperfect behavior of other people, of people itself, whether it's our wrong behavior or other people, to distract us from our destiny. Because while our, your unique call and destiny on your life includes other people around you, it is not limited by other people around you. So not everyone's path or destiny is the same. But we all have the same DNA of our Heavenly Father. That's how we can belong to a group that look, act, and think differently than us. Have you discovered that? that there are people in your life that they think, look, and act different than you? It's because we have the DNA of the Father that we can still operate in love because we recognize that we all in the body of Jesus Christ are uniquely the same. We recognize as a church involved in the larger church, the, the church, that we all are uniquely the same, that we have a different way of worshiping than other people because people like to worship different than other people. We have a way of getting involved that's different than other people because there's our different tracks that people have set up. But we're all uniquely the same. That's why we ask you to be a part of this church. That if you've been coming for a while and you've had to sit back and check it out because you've gone through some hurtful things, Man, we want you to know that we're going to love on you no matter what it is you decide to do. But we're asking you to be a part, to serve in an area of ministry, to give financially towards the vision that God has given us. Because listen, there is a purpose and destiny in you that's tied to being plugged into a local church. That you're an elbow, you're a knee, you're a shoulder, you're a hand, whatever it is, there's a destiny in you that's tied to being a part of a local church because God has put kingdom-building gifts inside of every one of us that are a major part of our destiny. You just have to begin to discover, what is it that God is asking me to do? What is it that God's speaking to my heart that, yes, I've, I've, I've been here, but God's asking me to go here. I... I'm not familiar with there. I want to stay here, but I know God has been speaking to me. He's been speaking to my wife or my husband. He's been speaking through my connect group or through other people, and, and I know that I need to go here. What is it that God's telling you? What is it that you are gifted and wired to do? What is it inside of the body of Jesus Christ that, man, when you think about it, you go, man, that's, that's what I feel like I'm supposed to be doing. Now, just so you know, that doesn't mean that you get up every Sunday and feel like doing it. 
As a leader, you're going you're gonna to discover when you're leading, you want to quit from time to time. In fact, there was a time about five years ago that Pam and I made a decision, we're no longer going to talk on Mondays about quitting the church. Because honestly, there were just some Sundays where you had some people say some stuff, some things happen, and you go, okay, I'm out. I'm tapping out. I'm done. We just made a decision. We're not going to do that. But listen, if you want to quit, it means you're doing something. So don't quit. You might need a sabbatical. You might need to step back, got some things going on in your life, but don't quit. I want to close with one final question. 100 years from now, what are you going to be glad or happy that you participated in or gave to? See, in 100 years, I could probably say with a lot of confidence, we're going to be in heaven. Whether that's by rapture, thank you, Jesus, or it's by passing from this life to the next life. What are you going to be happy and glad that you participated in and gave to 100 years from now? I promise a lot of things that seem really important now are going to pale when you recognize the eternal significance of what the church does today. And listen, we've made some mistakes as a church, and I'm not talking just about us as a church, but I'm talking about throughout church history. But I'm telling you, just like Noah's Ark, it may have stunk a little bit, but it's the best thing afloat. And I'm telling you, the church is doing a lot of good things in the kingdom of God right now. And they're doing a lot of good things that are impacting people's lives. So I want to say it one more time. What are you going to be glad or happy that you did 100 years from now that you participated in and that you gave to? Think about it. Let me pray over you today. This has been a presentation of Amarillo Fellowship, a community dedicated to spreading the love and hope of Jesus Christ. For more information and other podcasts, visit AmarilloFellowship.com.